Simon & Schuster Audio presents Where We Belong by Anstey Harris Read by Tanya Rodriguez Chapter 1 A house absorbs happiness. It blooms into the wallpaper, the wood of the window frames, the bricks. That's how it becomes a home. The people in it are movable, exchangeable. One set of hugs and shouts and words of love, easily swapped for another. I am packing up our lives into cardboard boxes, folding away that happiness, those memories. It makes me want to turn to someone, anyone, and talk about Leo's paintings, old gig tickets of Richard's, postcards sent to me by friends, It's just me, all alone, with the shriek of the tape gun as it zips up the boxes. Everything is changing. The school term ended yesterday, my last term as a teacher, at least in the job I've been in for over 20 years. I am redundant. I don't know yet how far into my life that word will stretch, how many parts it will cover. I am also... Much more concerning, as it involves my son every bit as much as it does me. Homeless. Leo has gone swimming with our neighbour and her daughter. The boxes and the bubble wrap have been making him feel unsettled. He'd be far worse if he'd seen the emails and the letters, but they're my responsibility. And mine alone. There is a special anger that comes with impotence, with the basic failure to provide for your family. It's worse when that failure is caused by someone else, someone who had promised to be there and to help and to share the burden, someone who hasn't upheld their side of that bargain. Instead, I think, I'm supposed to be grateful that Rich's family have offered us a place to go. The offer is grudging. There have been letters backwards and forwards from solicitors, There have been emails of questions that are never answered, at least not in any straightforward way. No promises, no reassurance. I have googled and searched, I have looked on maps and at faded postcards, but there's very little information to be found about Hatter's Museum of the Wide, Wide World. Today is the day that I finally get to speak to the old family retainer to inform her that we'll be joining her at the museum or at least in the apartments above it, for the whole of this summer, until I find a new job and a new home for my son and me. I've said I'll ring at noon. Leo and I had a late breakfast. Now that my schedule isn't a daily drama of juggling school and home and trying to get us both out of the door on time, I can do that. So I'm not hungry yet. Instead, I've made a coffee and set it down on a packing box marked Dining Room Unnecessary. Already I've forgotten what's in that box, or why I've kept it, if it's unnecessary. I found some biscuits at the back of a kitchen cupboard earlier. They're out of date, but unopened. I test one on my teeth and they're fine, so I'll have a couple with my coffee. That'll see me through till tea time, when Leo gets home, and I have to cook for both of us. I arranged to call today because the landline is disconnected at midnight and then I'll only have my mobile. It's strange, 
that I won't have the same number that I've put down on forms and contact sheets for the last ten years. As I understand it, I won't have a number of my own at all, apart from the mobile. It makes me feel unsettled. I'm not from the generation that exists solely through cell phones. What if I can't get a signal? I have no way of knowing whether there's a signal in the house or not, or how isolated it is. Richard mostly refused to discuss his family home, and I certainly can't ask him now. He hated the place, and so we've never even visited. He said it's cold and draughty and miserable. I've been curious over the years, and especially since Richard went, but one thing and another, and real life and work and responsibility, have conspired to keep me away. Almost every weekend for the last few years I've intended to throw Leo in the car and go and look at this place, at Richard's childhood and Leo's inheritance, but it's never worked out that way. In London, we have had too many friends to see, too many things to do, too many full and happy weekends. In my mind's eye, in a sketch drawn from his very limited descriptions, it is gothic and decrepit overgrown and covered in clinging spidery ivy, dotted with grey panes of glass that stare like blind eyes onto rusted iron gates at the end of the drive. Where we live now, in the heart of a London that is steadily being gentrified, there are lots of strange old buildings, hospitals, schools, fire stations, that have been converted into flats, and they're all gorgeous. How bad can it be? I sit on the sofa and take a sip of my coffee while the phone rings through. I bite the first half of one of the biscuits and the rhythmic tone at the end of the line continues. I dip the second half into my coffee, shake the drips over the cup and eat the biscuit. Still no answer. I wonder if there is a limit to how long a phone line will ring for. And picture a tiny old lady... Slightly confused and wearing pink slippers, scurrying through passageways to answer it. I put most of the second biscuit in my mouth and bite through it. A crumb dislodges and goes the wrong way down my throat. By the time the phone is answered, my eyes are streaming and my voice sounds like something that runs on cogs. Hatter's Museum of the Wide, Wide World. The voice does not sound elderly, or like it might wear the slippers I'd imagine the old lady hobbling through the corridors in. <coughs> Hello? I clear my throat. Twice. This is Kate Morris. 